1: It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book as we welcome you again to another broadcast of The Riches of Grace. It's my privilege to be your host and Bible teacher each week. Uh, my name is Richard Jordan, and uh, we, we welcome you to a time to spend in God's Word looking at the Scripture. Our, our hope and our, our our desire is to help you understand something about God's word, so that God's word can go to work effectually in you, because you believe it. It can have the impact that God's designed it to have in His word. Uh, Second Timothy chapter four. When I think about. Come to this, this, this uh, radio microphone and teaching, uh, whether it's here or it's on our TV program or it's in our pulpit, conference room, wherever it is, written ministry. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the Word. That's the issue. Take God's Word and proclaim God's Word. Let God's Word be made known. Uh, explain the Word of God. Apply the Word of God. He said, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, exor, uh, uh, rebuke, exhort with a long-suffering and doctrine. The Apostle Paul knew that it's going to take some long-suffering <laughs> to preach the word. Why? For the time will come when they, that is, people that hear you, will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching Ears. They're going to go out and pile up and accumulate and hire people that will teach them things other than sound doctrine. When he says. "...shall teach uh, so to keep themselves teachers having itching ears." There's an illustration of that back in the life of the nation Israel, back in Isaiah chapter number 30. When uh, um, Isaiah 30, verse number 9, it says that this, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, "...see not, and to the prophets prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things." Prophesy deceits. (laughs) Well, itching ears want to have something that soothes their itching ears, that makes them feel better, so they don't want the truth. Because when you have the truth, listen, if you don't love the truth, you don't want the truth preached. Paul said, you need to preach, preach the word, and do it with long-suffering, because there's going to be people that don't want to hear it. So, when the people don't want to hear sound doctrine, what do you do? You preach it with long suffering and doctrine doctrine the teaching of god's word what god's Word teaches all scripture is given inspiration and is profitable for doctrine reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. people like reproof people like correction people like instruction and righteousness. People love the how-to stuff go down to the Christian bookstore and notice how many how-to books there are. I was traveling across the country recently on the interstate system and I stopped and got gas in a a remote area and there's this big gigantic truck stop stop. my wife and I, we stopped, got gas went in and uh, we're going to get something to to eat and I noticed at the checkout counter there's this big uh, display of Christian books and so I got to looking through them and at least 80% of them were how to, how to this, how to that. My favorite how-to book is one I saw years ago, How to Be Happy Though Married. I'm going to imagine having a title like that. Listen, folks, marriage is designed by God, came right off the drawing board of heaven. It's a creation institution. No, nobody figured thought about marriage. You'd have never been smart enough to dumb that done that, not somebody dumb as you and me. came off the drawing board of heaven. And it was designed to be the halls of the highest human happiness. Now, the reason there are problems in marriages is because there was a problem in the first marriage, Adam and Eve. They sinned. And it brought problems. Sin complicates life. And so somebody wrote a book. Instead of writing how to have the halls of high, highest human happiness, he said how to be happy though married. Now I know the guy; that's a catchy title, trying to get you, get you to buy the book. I understand that, and he was trying to help you in your marriage. I understand that, but my point is the how to, how to. Everybody loves reproof, correction, instruction. they love to be taught how to do things. But people say, let's just don't let's don't talk doctrine, brother Rick, because doctrine divides. Listen, you you don't know how to do something, you don't know how to uh, figure out you're doing something wrong, reproof, how to f- correct it, correction, how to have instruction in doing what you need to do without a doctrinal basis. Did you know that Romans chapter 1, verse 31, when Paul lists all the things that result from a rep- reprobate mind, that he says, Being without understanding is one of the sins that come from not wanting to retain God in your knowledge. You've got Christian people today going to church. When they drive up in the parking lot, you can unscrew your head, put it in the glove compartment, lock it up in your car. You're going to need it when you drive home, but you're not going to need it in church. Because what goes on in church is a bunch of mindless R- ritualism, formalism, emotionalism, bench jumping aisle running, whatever it is, but in the great majority of churches you go to today you don't need your head you don't need to think they 're there to make you feel they're there, there to give you reproof correction and str- they're there to give you pop psychology so that you can figure out how to, but they're not there to help you do the hard thinking about sound doctrine. And when they leave you without understanding, they leave you in sin. Because that's what Romans one thirty one says, being without understanding is. And friend, your Christian life won't operate on the basis of ignorance. And there are consequences to not having sound doctrine. Illiteracy of the Bible. The Bible's not going to be your authority, because You don't understand that it should be. You're never going to have the ability to to need and to go to God's Word. You're going to think that the way you understand God's Word is, give me a translation that's easier to understand young man just told me recently, he only got saved just, just maybe, uh, just not many months ago, and he said he, he was in our assembly and we're studying, and he says, you know, I didn't know any better. I needed a Bible. I never had bought a Bible. I went and bought a, a living Bible because it just seemed to be so easy to read. And uh, his girlfriend that brought him to church, she told him, she says, no, 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 it might be easier to read at first, but it doesn't have all the verses in it that it ought to have. He said, what? She said, yeah, look, it leaves out, and and she began to point out verses that that that, that new version omitted. She said, you need all the verses that ought to be in the Bible. That's why you need a King James Bible. Now, you say well, the King James Bible is hard to read. It's not hard to read. It's sixth grade, seventh grade English. It's not that difficult to read. Now, I understand you're going to have to learn to read it. But anything you took up, if you take up baseball or hockey or or fishing or golf or, you know, mechanically, anything you take up, you're going to have to learn the vocabulary associated with the the trade or the the hobby that you're involved in. So, sure, I understand you're going to have to, but then God gives you a prescribed way to study his Bible that all of a sudden, and this young man told me, he said, once I learned to rightly divide the word, it it just came open to me. But you see, that lack of literacy and how to understand God's Word what it says, and thinking that, you know, just give me something easier to read was going to be, that comes as a consequence of not having sound doctrine. And when you don't have sound doctrine, you wind up with failed efforts. You're always out trying to start something new. You're always out trying to have another experience, a little more activity, something that's more real for you, because you're living in confusion. Look around you, there are a hundred different mixed up denominations. You look at the charismaticism, the piecemeal doctrines that you find on the internet and the media, the issues that cause confusion and distraction and doubt. Friend, they are all solved by rightly dividing God's Word. You want know the full assurance of understanding? You want to have the full assurance of being stabilized in your Christian life where you understand what God's doing? Paul said The things that I that I write unto you, they are the commandments of God. Paul said, in 2 Timothy two, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. If you want the full assurance of understanding, you need to understand that special message that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to and through the Apostle Paul. The preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. The mystery of Jesus uh, Christ, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, committed to the ministry of the Apostle Paul, given to you and me through his ministry, is what solves most of the problems, confusion, confusing the church uh, uh, th- th- throughout the ages. Where the church has stumbled upon this truth, it's in success in glorifying God. You take the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther. As confused as Luther was to his dying day, he got the great Pauline truth of justification by grace through faith plus nothing. And look at what it did. It completely reformed the institutional church. It didn't solve all of its problems, but it solved that one. And the confusion about justification. You see, the issue of faith and works, that's that's the most damning, that'll damning your soul if you think you got to work. I was raised in a church as a young lad. I took catechism, I did the, all the, the things that you do. you know when you're 12 and all that so I did all the things I was supposed to do in the religious system. I was taught and I believed that working was believing that believing was working. Well when you, when you do that, you'll wind up in hell. Because it's to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. When your faith rests in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you at Calvary, God takes your faith and counts it for righteousness. God made him to be sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why it's by grace you say through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. God paid for it, gives it to you because you don't have anything to pay, not of works, Lest you would wind up boasting, and we understand the mystery, this preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the the special ministry committed to us through the apostle Paul, then it 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 solves and, and sets to rest a lot of the confusion, Take, for example, the issue of baptism that 's probably the most divisive single issue. Among Christians, you can resolve that issue simply by the message communicated to you through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. You know what Paul said about water baptism? Now, you remember there, there are at least a dozen different kinds of baptisms in the Bible. Most of Christians don't, don't know that. Most of Christians are without understanding. They're in sin when it comes to the issue of baptism because they think the only baptism in the Bible is water baptism. Then you get a few that understand there's a there 's a baptism with the spirit, and so they 're going to argue about water baptism and by being baptized with the spirit, and they have no idea about the other the other uh, uh, other eight or ten if you want to understand the issue of baptism and get out of the confusion and the division. Jesse O'Hare used to call baptism religious TNT, <laughs> and he's absolutely right about that. But you can re- resolve it by, by reading Paul's epistles. You know, if you take Romans to Philemon, you find Paul mentions water baptism only one time. Did you know that? One time. First Corinthians chapter number 1, and he says in verse number 17, 1 Corinthians one seventeen, "...for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel." Whoa! Isn't that interesting? Paul said, "I was not commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to baptize." Now, somebody says, "Well, he's he's talking as an evangelist." No, 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 he's talking as an apostle. But you look you you look at your, you look at the first verse in First Corinthians, and he says, "Paul, an apostle." Paul called him an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Paul wasn't writing as an evangelist; he was writing as an apostle. I mean, the reason you think he's writing as an evangelist and didn't have to, preach to baptize people in the local church is because you've been reading your denominational literature. You've been going by your denominational handbook, not by your Bible. Writing as an apostle. Did you know not one of the twelve apostles could have said that? Paul wasn't one of the twelve. That's one of the ways you know he wasn't. The twelve were sent to baptize. He sent them. Into, into all nations, bat, he said, go ye into all nations, teaching them, go ye, therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. The twelve apostles were sent to baptize the Gentiles, as well as Israel. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize. There in any way under God's heaven, in God's green earth, the apostle Paul could have been working under the Matthew 28 or Mark 16 commission. If words mean anything. Now, if you're just used to throwing words out of your Bible and don't care, then do what you want to. But you said, well, if, if, if Paul wasn't sent to water baptism, the only time Paul mentions water baptism in his epistles, he said, God, Christ didn't send me to do it. He said, I thank God it didn't baptize but a few of you because Christ didn't send me to do it. It was there before he got there. Paul did a bunch of things that were there before he got there that he quit doing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul says, you know what there is? There's one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, if you've got a water baptism and a spirit baptism and a baptism of fire, that's three in one verse, Matthew 3.11. If there's only one baptism, he's not saying there's only one baptism in the Bible. He's saying there's only one baptism applicable to us today. Well, what is that? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, Paul says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Every believer today is baptized by the Holy Spirit into the church, the body of Christ. That's the mechanics of getting into Christ. Now, if God the Holy Spirit, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ, baptized you, and there's only one baptism, what baptism do you think it might be? If a preacher comes along and wants to water baptize you, he's adding a baptism to what God already did. And He said, "But I didn't know God did it." No, I know you didn't. The only way you, could, you didn't feel it, you didn't sense it. The only way you'd know about it is if you read about it in the Scripture. But nobody read you those Scripture, did they? Well, I did. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. That's what happened to you the moment you trusted Christ. You see, when you understand that there's been a change from Israel's program where water baptism was a significant and important part to the dispensation of grace and the mystery. Then it, conf- it, it, it resolves that confusion. I understand God had a program for Israel, and it contained water baptism. It was a symbol; it was a, the sign of the Davidic covenant. Now, that program has been set aside, and with the fall of Israel, Israel's program was set aside. And now, the baptism is the baptism by one Spirit into one body, and that's the one baptism. You see, it'll resolve that for you. Now, I understand that religion won't like that. But hey, why don't you just let God do it <laughs> and believe what God says? Prayer is probably the most confusing. If baptism is the most divisive, prayer is probably the most confusing issue in the Christian life. You know, I tell people all the time, people say, Brother Rick, do you have a prayer line? I say, no, we don't have a prayer line. And the people almost get incensed and say, well, why don't you have a prayer line? Because, folks, you don't need me to pray for you. What is this? You can pray for yourself. You see, if you think calling a preacher or calling some prayer line to get people to pray for you is going to get you a better chance of having God answer your prayer, Jesus said you're praying like the pagans, like the heathen. Matthew 6, verse 7, But when you pray, use not vain reputation as the heathen do, for they think that they should be heard for their much speaking. If you have the idea that if you can get more people talking to God, if you can say more to God than than less, that God will then hear you. Jesus said you're praying, not like a believer, not even in Israel's program. You're praying like the heathen. By the way, everybody prays. Every religion, every society, every culture. Prayer is nothing new. But how should you pray today? It's not today, it's not ask and get. Prayer is something different. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Today you pray about everything. And what is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. And it isn't talking to God about, give me something I don't already have, because you have everything God wants you to have in His Son. You're complete in Christ, blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So what is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to God about what's going on in your life in light of what His Word says. How do I take God's Word and apply it to my life? Prayer is the catalyst to invigorate God's Word, the sound doctrine, working in my life. And rather than going back to Israel's program and thinking, oh, what I need to do is come to God as somebody who isn't sufficiently and completely blessed in Christ and ask God to give me things that I don't already have, what prayer is is today in Paul's epistles is for you to go to God and say, Lord, I know that I'm complete in Christ. I know that everything is sufficient in Him. I know that Your Word has every answer I'll ever need, so I I need to figure out out of Your Word how to apply it. To these details. And prayer begins to help you develop that renewed mind and helps you to become a complete, mature, functioning believer, applying the truth of His Word, seeing His Word work effectually in you because you believe it and you apply it to your life. Some people talk about, think about God's intervention. The big issue in prayer, of course, is not so much what I say to God as what I think God's going to do back. The issue of God's intervening in your life. That's where, that's probably the most commonplace for superstition. God intervenes in your life. Listen, he intervenes in your life through his word. <laughs> God's Spirit works through His Word. He put His life in His Word, and it's the Word of God that works effectually in you that believe. Ephesians chapter 3, he says that He strengthens us with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That's important. Where is God working? He's working in your inner man. He's not out, to working in the circumstances of your life. He's working inside of you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and suffering, with joyfulness. Notice he doesn't say anything about deliverance. He doesn't say anything about God coming and taking away the problem. He talks about God putting some inner man fortification into you that gives you the ability to suffer long, to endure through the thing with joy. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, watch, that you may be able to bear it. The way to escape is not him coming along and taking it out of your life, but him putting some the excellency the power of his word in your inner man through you appreciating who you are you take his word you take it you take you activate it through 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 uh, uh, Pauline prayer, and you see God's word work effectively effectually in you that believe. It have the effect in your own man; it's designed to have to strengthen you, and it gives you fortification. And now, rather than the the temptation destroying you, you're able to bear it. And by the way, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. That means God isn't sending some special testing into your life today or ever. The things you face in life are the common things that people face when they make the decisions and choices in life that you make. We know the whole creation, Romans eight says, groaneth and travaileth and pain t- together until now. Not only they, but we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the redemption of our body. You see, even the believer groans and you see, in, in travails and pain together until now. Not just the world. It happens to believers. But you've got an inner man fortification that gives you something that strengthens you in inner man. You know where God intervenes in your life? He intervenes through his word based on the cross. Now I look at the clock and the clock says, Rick, you got to go. <laughs> I just I enjoy talking about these things. Let me offer you a free Bible study. That will help you understand some of these issues about how God works in your life through his word. It's an important thing to grasp and to understand that God's Word works in you and that you can have the answer to the questions of life when you have the sound doctrine and the, the, the full assurance of understanding that comes with it. The consequences are the answers, rather, uh, uh, that the mystery provides. The mystery the mysteries, the mystery answers. That's the name of this Bible study. It's trying to get it straight. The mystery that the mystery answers. You call us here, 888-535-2300, 888-535-2300, request the Bible study, The Mysteries, that the mystery answers, and we'll see that you get your free copy. 888-535-2300 is the number to call to get the Bible study. Let me be sure I get that title right, because I kind of bumbled it there, The Mysteries that the Mystery Solves, okay? Now, if you... You call the number 888-535-2300, and you request the the, uh, the the Bible study on the mysteries that the mystery solves. Somebody there will understand what I'm saying, even if I don't seem to, because we we know what we're talking. We know we know what we're offering. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, let me let me tell you that uh, there are folks in your area that uh, put this radio program on the air, and they'd be honored to have you. They'd be happy to know that you're listening, if you have questions, friend, if you don't have an assembly to attend, a church to attend, where the Word of God is taught rightly divided, and with a message of God's grace, your completeness in Christ, you're being blessed with all spiritual blessings in Him, and the sufficiency of His grace and the sufficiency of His Word, if you don't have a place to attend where that sound doctrine is taught then you're robbing yourself and you're robbing your family if you have one of one of the greatest blessings you could ever have. There is a group of folks in your area that put this radio program on this station. This this program's on many stations across the country, so I can't tell you exactly which where it is in your area, uh, because we're on a number of stations. But I can tell you that if you call our office, they can tell you where well, we you can find folks in your loca- in your locale that enjoy, rejoice in and want to share uh, God's word rightly divided, the message of His wonderful grace. You call us at 888-538-52300, and we'll see that you get that information. Uh, we'll put, we'll give you their their information, their meeting times, and who they are, and you can be in touch with them. We're not going to try to put you on some list of or to try to you know harass you. Nobody's going to be doing that, but we, we'd like to be, uh, we'd like to make this information available to you. We all, our only purpose. We don't have anything for you to join. Our only purpose is to, to try to exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book. I'm going to have a denomination for you to join, some philosophy to embrace. We just want to help you to understand God's Word, because we know that God's Word will do its work if you believe it. If you really wanted to be a student of God's Word and and, and go on with it, I tell you week after week about Grace School of the Bible. And uh, Grace School of the Bible is a three-year Bible Institute program that is very unique in several ways. One, it's uh, available through uh, distant learning. You don't have to move. You don't have to come to Chicago. You're going to have to go to some particular place. We'll send the school to you on dvd and you can watch the videos and you can study at your own you know your own scheduling demands you can fit it into your life uh where you watch the three-year program and so forth but you can take it at your own pace number two uh, there's no tuition charge to the school Uh, we don't charge tuition one person you know you can get the dvds there is a fee for the dvds but uh Fifteen people can watch that same DVD with no. All you had to do is buy the supplies. You don't have to pay a tuition. Uh, and third is that the curriculum base of the school is quite different, uh, very unique, in that we follow the Paul the Paul's design for the edification of the believer. Paul talks about you being established in the faith as you've been taught. There is a particular design in Paul's epistles that is 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 set forth where you learn the information in a certain order. Uh, It's like a curriculum course, but the curriculum needs to be designed God's way. Most Bible institutes, most Bible colleges follow what is called systematic theology, and not simply man's organization of information about God. But Paul and his epistles has a specifically designed edification structure. It's called a form of sound words for you to know and for you to follow. And that's what the curriculum of the school follows. So if you're interested in understanding the Word of God that way, 888 535 is the number to call. You can go to our website, graceimpact.org. Graceimpact.org. You can find us there. You can find information. You can listen to this program again. You can see live or uh, archive Bible studies. Graceimpact.org. Thanks for being with us today. Until next time, Maranatha.